All right. It's always better to be lucky than good. Thank you for joining the ESBC Podcast Network. And man, do we have a special, uh, phenomenal guest. Uh, We're both basketball junkies. So (laughs) it's like Christmas Day for us here. And and we're talking with Graham. And how do you pronounce your last name? Honaker. Honaker. And he's going to be at the historic Hinkle Fieldhouse for the Sweet 16. Uh, We're going to have several Hall of Fame coaches, uh, programs there. But we're going to get into it like we always do. I have an MBA. I have uh, securities licenses, clients 50 million plus, 20 million plus. So we have the same kind of customer base. And for the last 25 years doing business consulting, every single client I've talked to, I say, charge triple (laughs) because the American economy is $26 trillion right now. We've had $7 trillion in stimulus. And it goes back to that old uh, Terry Saban, right? Mama Saban, right? Miss Terry complaining about uh, Nick's salary at Michigan State and uh, how he was getting robbed. And fast forward 25 years, Miss Terry still thinks he's getting robbed. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, no, no. I was at the Sweet 16 here in Anaheim, and this old man, I don't know how people pick me out like this. I'm talking al He picks me out, sits me next to uh, Harbaugh's agent. <laughs> he tells me how the salary is built into a life insurance policy and how he makes $10 million a year, and it's still cheap for Harbaugh. So that's really how I view Graham's book, but there's so many layers involved. And we'll go macro to micro. But what are your thoughts uh, on the intro, Graham? And thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Josh, for having me. They're diverging opinions on on this and how much like, coaches are paid. And But if you look at – let's take a look at the tournament right now, Josh. Right. I read a – just two days ago, we saw where Abilene Christian upset Texas last weekend, right? And I don't know how they came up with this number so quickly, but they estimated that to be worth $120 million for Abilene Christian and and earned media attention. So you say, you know, what does their coach make? I don't know offhand, but it's, it's a fraction of 120 million. (laughs) That's right. He brought them out of nowhere. You know, this tournament is the epitome of, what a sport or a coach can bring in terms of notoriety uh, for an entire institution. And and that's a big part of my book here. No, awesome. You give a lot of insight because people are like, wow, uh, a $3 trillion uh, stimulus. How does that happen? I remember uh, independently wealthy car dealer in the Northeast by the name of uh, Jim Harrington. He told me, Josh, in business, people just come up to me giving me business advice. But independently with the guy, you know, poor middle-class guy, that's why God gave us two ears and one mouth. He's like, know the numbers and you will know everything. And before we backtrack into your background, and I love the Butler history, really, and I've been studying it the whole time because I am a bus- basketball junkie like yourself. 
and we always talk about in sports corporate governance and the value it gives, but how much money, because we talked about this before, has Butler generated, and let's say university value and its endowment because of the run Butler's had with our guy, Brad Stevens, currently the head coach over there. But it goes back to your boss, Mr. Collier, right? AD? Yeah, Barry Collier's done a phenomenal job as one-time coach, Josh, in the late 80s and has been our athletic director for the last 15 years, who hired a young 30-year-old that nobody knew named Brad Stevens as our head coach. Right. And then we'll go deeper into that because uh, your brother lives in San Diego, and especially with the internet and uh, with society, the way it's evolving, we live in a tiny planet. Uh, So how much money has the, let's say from the time uh, Mr. Collier was the head coach at Butler, to now, how much has the endowment at Butler increased? Well, I'd give you a better timetable is that it's almost doubled in the last 10 years. Wow. So there was a slow trajectory from his onset as coach in 1989. Took us eight years from that standpoint to get into the tournament. Hadn't been there since 1962. Um, and then flash forward to 2010, 2011, you know, I always compare it, Josh, to winning the Powerball, right? right. You've hit lightning in a bottle and your life changes overnight. So our endowment has grown uh, significantly, $100 million in the last 10 years. But you want to take a really powerful number is we, we had a company estimate the earned media attention of those two final fours. And they came up with a figure 1.2 billion with a B. With a B. Uh, with a B, earn media attention. So in other words, you'd have to pay a marketing firm 1.2 billion to get that kind of attention over a two-year period. Nice, that's amazing. And congratulations, I was reading, you're in the gifts department and you guys just got an infusion of $100 million, right? We, we, um, yeah, we had a big gift a couple of days ago, we had a $10 million gift, but I joke that I should send Brad Stevens and the players on those teams a thank you note every week because right. They really have made my job uh, a lot easier over the last decade. And this is a great podcast too, the insight in answering that question, how much uh, players should be paid. And, uh, but <laughs> uh, have you ever watched Breaking Bad or Better uh, yeah, Call I have. So we're going to use that technique and take a step back because you're a basketball junkie and you've been there. And I'm extremely jealous. Tell us about the games you've seen in the tournament at Hinkle. And what are your thoughts on what's going on now with uh, the NCAA tournament? Because I know you got uh, my guy. You're going to see him, right? You got you to get report to me on the $2,000 tailor suit Jay Wright has. <laughs> Don't do the mistake I make when you greet him. Don't touch the suit. <laughs> Yeah, there's a story on Jay in our book, and he's actually wearing sweats. He's not wearing the Armani suit. He's wearing sweats. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's been awesome, and, and I'm biased because I live here in Indianapolis, but I think Indianapolis has done a great job. They had to pull this off in a relatively short amount of time. Uh, fortunately, we have so many arenas, you know, in a, in a small vicinity where we could 
pull it out. I, I say, even if the tournament was bigger, we have high school gyms within an hour of me that hold 10,000. Wow. That's just how it is in Indiana. Wow. I think Indy's done a really good job with the tournament. Um, I've been fortunate to see some really good games. I saw the Loyola Georgia tech game. I saw the Syrac, uh, excuse me, the Virginia tech Florida game. I saw Gonzaga a couple days ago, play Oklahoma. And I, I'd say that, you know, the one difference is that the crowd capacity is different, but the, the excitement is still there. You know, the right. win and you advance, lose and you go home. And for me, uh, again, being a, a fan of the Cinderella's, it's been great seeing the Abilene Christians and the Oral Roberts. I don't know if I'd call them a, a Cinderella anymore, Josh, but to see what Loyola right. did to Illinois was not just a win, but really just that. You were at that game, yeah, it was a clinic on how to play basketball, you know, it really was. So I, I think it's been great. I'm actually, I live a half mile from Hinkle here and can't wait to go. I'll be going to the both games tonight at Hinkle. Nice, nice. Uh, I talk about myself, I'm 5'6", an average athlete, but uh, I was on the court with Pat Lawrence, Anthony Lawrence, and Barry Brown, and if you uh, might recall, 2016 tournament, Barry Brown Jr. That's how old I am. <laughs> anyway, so Barry Brown Jr. tore up the tournament. And it's like, how did I even get on the court? And I remember summer year high school, you know, ends up winning national, uh, the state basketball title after I left years after Dean Wright would send me to a park. He said, I don't want you to play. I want you to look at Bill Teal. Bill Teal ended up playing for Arkansas in the NBA because I want you to see his moves and be fundamentally sound when his hips go that way. Da, da. And I could play defense against him. And this, this is like 35 years ago. So watching that Loyola against Illinois with, they had a bunch of NBA guys there, right? I know the center is probably going to be in the NBA. That guard looked good. Was it that, was it Loyola playing fundamentally sound basketball? Like you're saying that kind of mitigated the talent gap, right? Which makes this so exciting. Yeah, I mean, if you if you watch it, they've got really good shooters, which the game has become a, a shooter's game. But they almost look like a team out of the 1950s with their backdoor cuts. They play really hard, and they've got a really unique center. Uh, you talk about old. He's a great player. He looks like maybe he's 45. Um, right, right, right. And I already said, you know, he's going to be the guy that dominates the YMCA games. You know, right, like, what we call them rec ball. They're playing Loyola Chicago plays rec ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ball, you know, and that and that's always the dynamic that you see in the NCAA tournament. That's fun to watch, and you have a lot of banter between the you know between the fans. Yeah, but I really think, and this is something we mentioned at the end of our book, and you see it in this tournament. There's going to continue to be more and more Cinderellas because these these schools that have four year players get to be really cohesive teams. They they're tough. They you know, they've been in the big moments, you know, again, this was a challenging year, but the Duke, for Duke and Kentucky not to be there, I think you saw that the mature teams handled COVID because of their experience. They could get through more adversity than say a team of, of freshmen. Uh, but you saw that also with Loyola and, and Oral Roberts and, you know, some of these teams, they, they, they play a lot together. They play for years. And I think you're going to continue to see that. And for me to go on a basketball court, right, five, six, marginal athlete, get on the court because I'm fundamentally sound and 
the coach will send me in the middle of summer in the heat not to play but to watch and to take notes and to come back and I would destroy let's say William Floyd the color commentator for Florida State destroyed him on the basketball court uh Tom Carter he's the second to DeMarie Smith in the NFL PA and I would destroy him on the basketball court uh and I always thought how the heck does that happen? Because I got zero scholarship offers. The only scholarship I offered was a sport that I didn't even play football. And it was to play for Southern Illinois. And it was a partial scholarship where they got me a job at the grocery store <laughs> to pay for the rest of it. And um, I didn't go. But I always was fascinated. And it ends up you know, studying for a securities test, uh, marginal utility, where in the famous story is that uh, Doig, uh, Dojkovic or whatever his name is, uh, the number one tennis player, he improved his stroke percentage by 0. 0.005, yep. right? And he went from a middle of the road in the 200s to the top tennis player in the world, winning multiple um, Grand Slams and major tournaments, Wimbledon's, U.S. Opens. And, and that, there's, there's just a ton of basketball players. And I like your opinion on it. The scheme that Krzyzewski's cooking up with Adam Silver about the G League competing with March Madness, I'm thinking it never happens because of the donors, right? And because you can have your one-and-done players, but your top 20 basketball players, yeah, they're good. But you go 21 to 1,000, Mr. 1,000, because of marginal utility, there isn't that much difference, really, at the end of the day, with your 1,000th ranked high school basketball player coming out of high school and your 25th guy. Yeah. You know, I'm still a big believer in, in the fundamentals. And again, you take a team like Loyola, not nearly the most athletic team in this tournament, but the ability to knock down free throws, which I continue to marvel at how poor free throw shooting is with, with some of the bigger programs. But again, if, if you've got players who have been there three and four years to continue working on their craft and getting better at it versus no matter how talented they are, a group of first year guys who haven't, haven't had that experience to work on the little things, go back to the Loyola game, the, the little things, the box outs. Right. And in business, but I tell my clients, there's no such thing as little things. They're all big things. The little things are the big things. Exactly. No, a hundred percent. So backtracking a little bit, this shows you my age. Uh, I remember back in the day, uh, I read an article where you were talking about this, uh, that nobody knew who Gonzaga was mm -hmm. uh, for Stockton. And those were the days where Kurt Rambis, the show child I am, was at Santa Clara. And he used to have a nice jump shot as a big man with Steve Nash. And that was a great team. <laughs> You know, those little teams. And um, if you can talk to, and I'll get some shots with you for doing my research, uh, the Munson family, right? The Munson family yeah. and that whole kind of with Judd Heathcote going to, you know, that, that whole area and how, for me, I think that was the first time I remember was that uh, Dan Munson, the son, who I see every year at the Big West <laughs> tournament with uh, Long Beach State. And he has a unique strategy that he does to justify his $900,000 a year salary that he always has to do. Uh, and if you can speak to that, how from those days, and that 
that would be the time where uh, Mr. Collier was the head coach at Butler. Yeah, so we really draw a close parallel between the Butler and Gonzaga stories. So like 1985, Josh, you were barely born, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> I was a freshman in high school. Okay, okay. Learning the fundamentals so I could be on the court with uh, Anthony and Pat Lawrence and Barry Brown Sr. <laughs> there, there you go. William Floyd, NFL, bar none, won the national title in Tommy Carter. That was 1985, me uh, battling to get on the court with those guys. It was just a year or two ago. Uh, <laughs> but you know, in, 19, ago, in 1985, if you had gone around the country and polled even knowledgeable basketball fans, hey, hey, where's Gonzaga located? Where's Butler located? You'd be very hard-pressed to maybe get more than 15% who would have the, have the correct answer. Now, you know, that's probably 75 plus, right? That, that right. have a general idea where they are. And Every sports fan, because people get into Gonzaga to fill out their, 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 uh, their brackets every year. So every sports fan, even if it's a football guy who's like, oh, I'm only football and then basketball during the tournament, they know now where Gonzaga is. So if they're could, their kids looking at schools to go to, <laughs> And Gonzaga comes in, it pops in their head. Same thing with Butler, man. The Butler did it, right? When the, the big upset, with Butler were upset, something like, Butler did it, right? You scream that at the sports book or to whoever you're betting. No, Butler's going to win. You're like, yeah, the Butler did it, man. <laughs> okay, yeah. It's a great phrase. We love hearing that one. But, you know, both of them, it's phenomenal what college basketball has meant to those schools. Right. In terms of the metrics that we articulate in our book of applications of philanthropy, endowment growth, facility growth, notoriety. You know, six weeks ago, Gonzaga was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Right. And the one difference is the paths they've taken. Gonzaga's had one coach now for 22 years. Butler, I, I joke that our problem is our coaches are too successful and then right. other schools come get them. So they've They've gone about it different ways. I love Gonzaga. I love Mark Few. He's who knows how many opportunities he's had to leave. I know UCLA has made a number of passes at him and other schools, but he stuck with it. For us, a, a little different path, but we've been able to hire the right people who understood the culture here to keep keep the train moving. You know, we had an off year this year, a lot of injuries affected by COVID, but we still can have continually made the NCAA tournament. But again, I, I just don't think there are two schools in the country, not that they're the only two Cinderella's, but that for over three decades now have used college basketball to, to make their universities better. Right. And I'll give you some homework because one thing I like about being at a tournament and all these styles work because we look at what you're talking about, which is corporate governance and you have, uh, Mr. Collier, right, who's a great judge of talent to be able to he, he develop talent. So you have two types of coaches. And I want to do a comparison now between, let's say, the Butler coaching staff and Gonzaga. So you have coaches who are great judges of talent, right? And you have coaches who are great at developing talent. You have coaches who are very extrovert, right? And they're great recruiters, right? Uh, 
they can, they can recruit to Alaska and North, you know, Northridge can get a five star there, right? <laughs> they go into the house and it's lights out. He's, you know, eating at the, the old stories about Valvan and all them having food and eating and drinking, da da da, and not even doing the, the pitch until the end. And you have guys who are very introverted who are X's and O's, right? Uh, guys, and you have two different philosophies. Now, Mark Few's philosophy is that you not only should be good at recruiting, but you should also be good at the X's and L's. That's why he fired the African-American gentleman who's now at Utah. That coach, uh, I think, is Danny Daniels. Great recruiter. And I think he's good at X's and L's, but he didn't meet Mark Few's expectations. But uh, Kristoviak at Utah, he's like, come on, man. I got my X's and O nerd guy in the back who doesn't like talking to people. <laughs> He'll come up with a game plan, a defensive game plan. And I remember the guy at uh, Michigan that worked for uh, Beelan, forgot what program he went to, but he was a great defensive coordinator. Luke, uh, was it Jakic? Yes, exactly. Great defensive coordinator, right? But not the greatest at, at recruiting. I know that uh, your current coach, LeVar, he, he played for Collier. And, you know, he's from Miami. He played for uh, Collier. And you go Dan Munson, boom, Gonzaga comes out of nowhere. He goes to uh, Minnesota. And then uh, Brad Stevens makes an out-of-the-box career move that uh, if I did, my wife would punch me in the face. <laughs> I, think his, I think his girlfriend I might have taken a swing at him. <laughs> He's a, at an Eli Lilly. Was he like general counselor or something like that? He had a really good job at Eli Lilly, which their stock price has gone up a thousand percent. So anything, any way he went, he would have been fine. Let me ask, do you mind if I touch upon that, that story? Yeah, he, go ahead. Uh, he graduated from a small school in Indiana called DePaul. Okay. And took a job at Eli Lilly, which is a corporate giant, pharmaceutical giant. Right. And a year in, he realized this is not my purpose. This is not my passion. We have about 14 principles in the book. And this is one of them where you've got to find your purpose. Right. And so he quits his job at Eli Lilly. His parents aren't real thrilled by that. Like your, uh, like your wife might be, Josh, if you, if you dropped out of that. And he... Right. He calls uh, Thad Mata, at, who is the coach at Butler, and says, can I, can I come over and be a, a volunteer coach? Which at the time, no pay, right? There's no pay. So he signs up to wait tables at Applebee's to make wow. some money. So he goes from Eli Lilly to waiting tables at Applebee's. Shortly thereafter, he did get a paid position. But, you know, you talk about taking a gamble, right? And then 13 years later... He's gone to two final fours and gets the gig with the Celtics. So not every gamble career-wise ends up like that, but he, he did know what his purpose and his passion were. Yeah, so Don Munson, head coach at Butler. He gets Don Munson. He's a Gonzaga. A Gonzaga. Uh, but I think his dad, didn't he coach at Butler back in the day or in that area? Uh, senior. Yeah. Monson came from, I'm, I'm not sure exactly where, I think he may have coached up in Minnesota himself. Right, but, right. Um, yeah, Monson, you know, they, they make a run, I think it was 1989, maybe, 1990. Right. And Minnesota immediately comes in and offers him a salary that at the time Gonzaga could not come close to matching. And he, 
He took it, which on paper makes sense, although his career and Mark Few's career have, have certainly gone in different trajectories. And I'm not, I'm not criticizing him taking the move, but sometimes the grass isn't always greener, right? You're right. No, absolutely. So what is the, the Butler coaching philosophy? Do all the assistant coaches recruit and do X's and O's, or do they have a dedicated X's and O's guys? They have dedicated recruiters, or maybe one guy who does he's good at both. And I'm sure Lavar's a generalist. Yeah, I'd say the first thing would be more of a general philosophy on hiring the coaches here. Uh, they generally have a tie to Butler. If right. you look at the last six hires, they've either played or been a, been an assistant coach here. So that that culture, I think, has been a huge foundation for continuing our success when it would have been easy to fall off with coaches departing. You know, there are a lot of people that were predicting Butler's demise after Brad Stevens left. So that's kind of one foundation. I think, you know, really good head coaches like to give their assistants experience in all facets of the game. Right. To prepare them to be a head coach so at some point. Uh, Laval Jordan, our head coach, I think really does that. I mean, we have, we have, you know, a coach who specializes on the defensive side and the offensive side and one who's, you know, known to be our kind of our ace recruiter, but they're all, I think he does a great job in trying to develop all of their, their skills so that one day when the door comes calling and it's the right offer, they're ready to make that move. All right. So you have Todd Mata as a coach and Todd Mata begat the Miller family, right? The Miller family, the uh, coach just got fired in Indiana, but they're entrenched. The dad's a coach, Sean Miller. Uh, he didn't have to do what he did. Right. But he did it. No and, uh, you know, the hundred grand that they got, right. As we're detailing now, they probably should have charged more. Right. I would have charged triple. Right. If I, they, if I'm their business coach or business consultant, Oh, what you're getting a hundred thousand from Nike. No, you have to, uh, and that's very interesting. There's it, something you can talk to real quick before we get to Todd Mata. Miller goes to Stevens, right? And then the, the, the 10 years you've been there. But you're in the gifts department. And let me ask you, because we'll talk about the FBI scandal, the way I understood it, all right, from reading it. And is that if you get federal dollars, there's a cap on gifts you can take, right? Like uh, here, the city council, you can gift up to $4,900. If you go above that, then that's illegal. And so the FBI gets these, uh, and I'm, you see them all the time. There's agents that know what they're doing, right? And then you have people who are trying to get into that world that really don't. So a guy who's in my position, working at uh, Penn State, right? The Penn State guy gets Penn State guys his money. He goes to fifty million dollar clients calling him like, oh, "I'm doing a podcast now." <laughs> so uh, he gets Penn State guys money. He wants to get into the movie business, right? Another wannabe. He takes their money to try to fund a movie. He gets busted, and he's like, "Oh, I know this guy named Christian Dawkins is an AAU guy, and we can get." assistant coaches because the fbi looks at it and says wait a second this might be immoral this might be unethical but it's not illegal to do this right might break nca violations but breaking nca violations is not illegal immoral unethical we got to maybe find a crime here 
And the only crime they could come up with was gifts to federal employees or people who get federal money more than $10,000. So then you have, you got Andy Enfield, and I don't know if you're going to see them tomorrow. You got Andy Enfield, you got Sean Miller, right, who coached with Todd Mata in this world, and Chuck Person in Auburn, right? And it was funny because the FBI teams never get calls from the rest, but I'm not going to get you in trouble. Uh, Chuck Person is texting saying, oh, you're only giving me $9,000 because he wasn't educated that if you get more than that, it's against the law. So the FBI want to have that that clear there. Am I, because you're a professional there, right, in the gifts department. Am I looking at that correctly or am I wrong? Am I a little flawed in what? Um, I'm, I'm processing that. I'll be honest, that's out of my wheelhouse in terms of the the direct recruiting. What I will say, let me tie what I do with what's gone on with the NCAA, which, which by the way, one of the motivations for this book was trying to tell the story of a program and we're not perfect, Josh, but we've, we've not been under this cloud of NCAA investigation. We're, we're never mentioned in those right, things. No, no. Nor, nor program. program Butler, you know, Right. And in and, and a program like Gonzaga, too. So wanted to showcase that programs like this can still win, right. that they don't have to get into this game of the Christian Dawkins is in that that world. Uh, but let you me guys develop that. players. Right. Because I talk about blue blood programs. Right? right. North Carolina, one and done Kentucky. They get the, the but you guys develop players. So you have great coaches. Right. Great training staff. You come up with great plans. And you know, we see them at the gym with the book, right? And they come get you. Hey, man, can you help me the book I got from Butler from my training guide to work out? Hey, yeah, no, man, I'll spot you, right? You guys do a great job of doing that, right? Here's what I would say is it, I not only work for Butler, but I'm a fan. And I see that it looks like you've got a couple books on John Calipari in the background. And <laughs> right. I, I, I don't, I, I, I'm not. I'm just as much of a basketball junkie as you are. Yeah. <laughs> Your book is next, man. Once I get it, it'll be right next to Yeah, time. I want my book pr more prominent. I I, <laughs> yeah. um, I don't critique the one and done, but I would say as a fan, one thing I really enjoy at Butler is seeing a freshman come in and watch him grow over four years. We had a kid, a great, great kid, uh, Kamar Baldwin, uh, who stayed four years here. And I'm lucky because not only do I get to see their growth on the court, I get to see it off. Right. I don't know what it's like being a fan of, you know, a school where you, you get a small glimpse at this student athlete and then they're gone. So you, we, we definitely try to develop our players. We want them to graduate, you know, frankly, a lot of our guys so far haven't gone on to the NBA uh, and that's true at a lot of schools, but what are you doing to prepare them post-college of life and that's um that, that may sound corny but that's still a really big premise uh, here at butler no absolutely and what's the graduation rate because on the podcast we've had and that's something we work on is the the horrible rate that 80 percent of professional athletes end up broke and so you know end up homeless had Corey jackson in the nfl that that works on that what's the graduation uh rate at butler and we'll finish the story and then at the end, we'll get your picks and what, what you think was going on with the teams you've seen. 
graduate university, university or for the basketball program? For the basketball program. It's high. I don't have the number in front of me. I do know the graduation rate for our student athletes is actually higher than the, the general population. Uh, I can count on my hand since I've been here, half a hand, maybe less of a player who hasn't graduated. In, in fact, I don't know of one who's stayed four years and has not graduated from Butler. Um, it's, you know, the, the, and I can say this because I work here. If you don't go to class, you're not going to, you're not going to play here. That's just part of the, that's part of the culture. And one of the reasons I like working here is there is a balance of the academic athletic side. Doesn't mean we don't want to win. Trust me. We're, we're very competitive. We want to win, but we don't want to do it. You know, we don't want to do it by not emphasizing academics and the importance of graduating from here. Right. And I'll get to the questions we have on Periscope as well. Uh, Todd Mata, Sean Miller, great coaching tree, begets Stevens, and they make that great run with Gordon Haywood. Great game. Ball goes in and out. Should have gone in. I know you watched that. It was like, oh, oh girl. Don't remind me. I'm still in, I'm still in therapy. <laughs> Uh, I grew up in LA, so it's Chick Hearn, and that was the ultimate in and out heartbreak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he a great broadcaster. Great broadcaster, in and out heartbreak. So, what happens after uh, Brad Stevens? You come in, you're in the last year of Brad Stevens, you come in, and you've had some great coaches. And maybe we'll talk off air what happened to the one guy who just, you know, disappears, uh, Todd Mata guy, Ohio State guy. Uh, you have the the current head coach at Ohio State, right? How was his tenure and what, what was his coaching philosophy? He did a phenomenal job. So Brandon Miller left. Um, he had health issues. Um, we had come off a four and 14 season in the Big East. You know, Brad had left the year before. And again, going back to that prediction of, you know, Butler's done. They're, they're, it's over right. that run. The clock has struck midnight on Cinderella, right? And Holtman, Chris Holtman, right. is on the staff, is named interim coach, and did a, one of the more phenomenal jobs I've seen in the last decade. He took us to three straight NCAA tournaments, took us to a Sweet 16 in 2017. We barely missed it in 2015. He really, resurrect is a strong word, but we were in, we were in trouble at that juncture. We had just entered the Big East. We were, again, struggling on the court. We had Holtman was the third coach in three years, right? Right. So he had to really keep things together. And Josh, he did it way too well because then Ohio State comes in and, and takes him away from us. I'm in the same boat with the University of South Florida, that which I'm an alumni fan in, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, where, you know, the coaches get uh, poached. We had Willie Taggart went to uh, yeah. Oregon. Even though I, I did not think he was a great coach, he was a great recruiter. We brought in uh, Dick Tomey from Arizona right. behind the scenes. He was the old guy behind the scenes with the X's and O. Kind of like Martelli is for, uh, not the stereotype, right? But I'm just observing. But you got the old white guy, senior guy from the back end, Martelli and Dick Tomey in the background, the scenes. And maybe uh, Collier does that for Butler, who kind of, because we always talk about on the podcast, salesmen think short-term businessmen and women think long-term 
and higher level thinking is long-term thinking. So then a guy graduates, he gets a degree, he gets great networking opportunities as a graduate basketball player at Butler. And from a money standpoint, how did moving from the horizon to the Big East, because for me as a basketball junkie, what it means to me is that I can watch a Butler game at 7.38 at night, I can DVR it versus uh, laying in bed with the wife with the iPad watching the Horizon game at 1 p.m. right when it comes on. <laughs> so, so this is my favorite chapter in the book. It is how the, the move to the Big East really poured fuel onto the fire of momentum we had. Nice. And if you think about it, the move to the Big East, it was predicated by the final four runs, but is actually more sustainable, right? I mean, we're hopefully going to be in the Big East for decades where those two final fours may fade over time. But just a few examples of how that move catapulted us forward. First of all, you hit it on the head. Now our, our alumni in Phoenix, Arizona are getting every game on Fox Sports 1. Right. Uh, now non-fans of Butler are turning on the TV and again, seeing Butler play Georgetown. That move was really huge for us because not only are we moved, did we move into a great basketball conference, we moved into a conference with some great academic institutions. So now our competition on and off the court is Villanova and Georgetown. And so by association, you're now in this sort of elite academic conference. The other thing, though, is it exposes us to big time markets, right? Right. D.C., Philadelphia, Boston, New York. So now we have a lot more students applying to Butler from those areas because they know about it. Right. Uh, we start attracting more donors from those areas. We had a gentleman, great guy. He's actually flying in from New York to the games tonight. It tells you the passion there. Right. But he had two sons. <laughs> he had two sons graduate from Butler. He worked on Wall Street. And two years ago, he decided to make a $1 million donation to Butler. So, you know, those, those markets are, are huge for us. We've developed corporate partnerships in those areas with companies like JP Morgan and Johnson and Johnson. So that, that move to the big East has really been transformational. And the, and the final thing, and I think you would agree with me here when the big East, when the old big East sort of disintegrated and the new one evolved, there's a lot of skepticism because you had lost Syracuse. So like, is, is the Big East, is this new Big East going to be that good? It's been darn good. I mean, Villanova certainly led the way with two national titles, but, you know, last year, had it not been for the pandemic, we would have had seven schools uh, in the tournament. So it's just been a really good league for us. It's been a huge, I, I, I probably don't describe it well enough on this call. It's, it's been a huge move for Butler. Right. And with there being 26 trillion with a T discretionary income, when you look at the Northeast and I live in the Northeast, Boston, New York, uh, the kid gets turned down by Harvard. He's, oh, I got turned down where I'm going to Butler. The guy knows Butler now. He's not arguing with his daughter or the kid. Oh, what Butler? I never heard of that. Da, da, da. Uh, they're going to Butler. And I'll give you one of your sales pitches and let me know if you said this before. You do not have to go to, and we have the same client really in a way. And being a poor middle-class guy, get into the securities industry. I'm all about, oh, let's make money. Let's make money. But when you get the higher end clients, they're like, no, no, no. I want to keep what I have. And I want to choose where my money goes to. So donating to Butler is a great tax 
mitigation strategy, and you have not to have graduated from Butler <laughs> to give a big donation to Butler. Right. And your kids are great. Right. He's going to get the same education, right? You don't have to overpay like the soap opera stars did, right? To get their kids into certain schools, you're going <laughs> to get the same education you get at Butler, especially if you do independent study that we were talking about, that you'll get at Harvard or anywhere else. But Villanova, that's a great school. Georgetown Law is an elite Ivy League uh, ranking school. Uh, you know, and uh, St. John's, a great Catholic school. And you have that, that great uh, Catholic connection, you guys being a Roman Catholic church with your Villanova's and your Georgetown's and your St. John's. And the Catholic church is right behind the Mormon church as far as wealth. Right. Ethnic groups, number one, the Cubans, that's me. Religions, as far as money is concerned, is the Mormon church. And right behind it is the Roman Catholic church. So there's a lot of money, right? There's a huge field for you to uh, continue to uh, kill it as you're doing it at the gift department over there at Butler. Let me make one more um, observation going back to the NCAA scan. Right. Donors like brand that they we've got donors that didn't go to Butler but invest and give to Butler because not only we've been successful on the court, but we've been a program that has avoided NCAA investigations and and done things the right way. A donor wants to affiliate with a winner, but generally they want to affiliate with winners who are doing things uh, the right way. That's long-term thinking that you can trust the institution and that they're bringing in high quality people to their corporations to add diversity, right? Because people get diversity wrong. Uh, they think it's race and gender and disability, but sometimes it's region, right? Yeah. Hey, I want to get a Midwestern guy from Butler. I know it's a legit institution. And at least this guy has been trained in the right way to do things man this has been We've a had, phenomenal podcast i can i can cite examples where we've had new york companies you know who love recruiting the northeast but say you know we we want some midwestern personalities as well i can cite specific examples of that yeah and it used to be diversity people get it wrong uh it used to be a soft skill but now truly diverse and inclusive companies make 35% more free cash flow. Mm -hmm. yep. And it makes a direct mm -hmm. impact on the bottom line. If you have all West Coast guy, bring in a guy from Butler from the West, that company's gonna make more money. Proven, Wharton, uh, Harvard Business Schools have done studies. And really at the end of the day is common sense, really. Uh, diversity of thought, right? Has always from the Rene Descartes, life left unexamined is not worth living. It's always been the case. That's a really, really good point. Yeah. So let's let's get down to the fun we're going to have today, because I know you're going to talk to donors. And I know you're going to kill it like you keep doing it, man. $100 million. Congratulations on your book. Congratulations, man, on how you're killing it in the gifts department. Uh, Villanova, our guy, right? He's in the book, too. Jay Wright, $2,000 Marnie suit against Baylor. My point and I can say this, I have liberty to say certain things, right? Because I own my own company. 
but I, I believe I love Baylor. Great developmental program. The Drew family from the Midwest that uh, were uh, the brother, right? Scott, was, Scott Drew went to Butler. Oh, wow. Yeah, so Baylor's coach went to Butler. Oh, okay. All right. We love him. He's a great coach. But today, I feel that in the underdog status, uh, Jay Wright with a week to prepare, Mr. Detail-oriented, I think they are going to get the best of the three-guard monster that is Baylor University. What are your thoughts on the game? You don't have to predict it, but well, you've seen them up close and personal. What are your thoughts on that game? Boy, I, I'm really excited to be heading to that one in a couple hours. Really good coaches. Baylor's exceptional. You know, their talent. Villanova has had some injuries. Unfortunately, Gillespie's out for the year. But I agree with you. I think Villanova is going to give them a heck of a game. Josh, it may be my bias to seeing them a lot, but I, I'm wondering if there's a little bit of an advantage that Villanova plays in Hinkle every year. You know, they know the dead spots. Right, I'm going to they ask you the, about that. How, how is the shooting? What, what are the intricacies of Hinkle? You know, what's really interesting is we have these great windows on both sides of Hinkle, and so you actually have – it probably won't affect it because that game starts at 515, although it might because it's staying light out and, and the sun's actually out here in Indiana. Not like it's every day for you in California, but you've got sunlight. coming in. Uh, you've got sunlight coming in. It's, it's a shooter's gym. It's a, you know, the arena was built in 1928. Right. But there's something to be said, I think, of, you know, these Villanova guys have been in here and played a lot of games in Hinkle over the years. I think it's going to be a lot closer game than people think. Um, right. I won't predict, but I'm, but I'm, I'm leaning toward my Big East brother in here. Right. So we, yeah, no. Uh... Tied to what we were saying earlier about NCAA investigations and programs. We've got donors that didn't go to Butler, but invest and give to Butler because not only we've we been successful on the court, but we've been a program that has avoided NCAA investigations and and done things the right way. A donor wants to affiliate with a winner, but generally they want to affiliate with winners who are doing things uh, the right way. That's long-term thinking that you can trust the institution and that they're bringing in high-quality people to their corporations to add diversity, right? Because people get diversity wrong. Uh, they think it's race and gender and disability, but sometimes it's region, right? Yeah. Hey, I want to get a Midwestern guy from Butler. I know it's a legit institution. And at least this guy has been trained in the right way to do things. Man, this has been We've a had, phenomenal had, podcast. I can, I can cite examples where we've had New York companies, you know, who love recruiting the Northeast, but say, you know, we, we want some Midwestern personalities as well. I can cite specific examples of that. Yeah, and it used to be diversity. People get it wrong. Uh, it used to be a soft skill, but now truly diverse and inclusive companies make 35% more free cash flow. Yep. And it makes a direct mm -hmm. impact on the bottom line. If you have all West Coast guy, bring in a guy from Butler from the West, that company's going to make more money. Proven, Wharton, uh, Harvard Business Schools have done studies. And really, at the end of the day, it's common sense, really. Uh, diversity of thought, right, has always, from the Rene Descartes, life left unexamined is not worth living. It's always been the case. 
that's a really, really good point. Yeah. So let's let's get down to the fun we're gonna have today because I know you're gonna talk to donors. And I know you're gonna kill it like you keep doing it, man. A hundred million dollars. Congratulations on your book. Congratulations, man, on how you're killing it in the gifts department. Uh, Villanova, our guy, right? He's in the book too. Jay Wright, two thousand dollar Marnie suit against Baylor. My point, and I can say this: I have liberty to say certain things, right? Because I own my own company. But I, I believe I love Baylor. Great developmental program. The Drew family from the Midwest. That uh, were uh, the brother, right? Scott, was, Scott Drew went to Butler. Oh wow! Yeah, so Baylor's coach went to Butler. Oh, okay. All right. We love him. He's a great coach. But today, I feel that in the underdog status, uh, Jay Wright with a week to prepare, Mr. Detail-oriented, I think they are going to get the best of the three-guard monster that is Baylor University. What are your thoughts on the game? You don't have to predict it, but well, you've seen him up close and personal. What are your thoughts on that game? Boy, I, I'm really excited to be heading to that one in a couple hours. Really good coaches. Baylor's exceptional, you know, their talent. Villanova has had some injuries. Unfortunately, Gillespie's out for the year. But I agree with you. I think Villanova is going to give them a heck of a game. Josh, it may be my bias to seeing them a lot, but I, I'm wondering if there's a little bit of an advantage that Villanova plays in Hinkle every year. You know, they know the dead spots. Right, I'm going to ask you the, about that. How, how is the shooting? What, what are the intricacies of Hinkle? You know, what's really interesting is we have these great windows on both sides of Hinkle. And so you actually have, it probably won't affect it because that game starts at 515, although it might because it's staying right. light out and, and the sun's actually out here in Indiana. Not like it's every day for you in California, <laughs> but you've got sunlight coming in. Uh, You've got sunlight coming in. It's, it's a shooter's gym. It's a, you know, the arena was built in 1928. Right. But there's something to be said, I think, of, you know, these Villanova guys have been in here and played a lot of games in Hinkle over the years. I, I think it's going to be a lot closer game than people think. Um, right. I won't predict, but I'm but I'm I'm leaning toward my Big East brother in here. Right. So, we, yeah, no. Uh, uh, because we we uh, we have a the top 10 rules of predicting games. And the number one rule is never bet your own team and never bet your own biases. So I, I never bet <laughs> or do anything with uh, USF. How about Syracuse Houston? This is my, my thing, right? Uh, corporate governance. Samson, I think he has a final four team. The last time he played Syracuse, I mean, there's a guy who takes notes. Uh, hey, if you get to a final four, once a championship, Samson and his son, right? They go in there, be a Hall of Fame coach. Again, developmental coach. He did a great job at Washington State. He goes to the NBA. Uh, he breaks a lot of NCAA violations. But last time he played uh, the zone, <laughs> he destroyed the zone with a much better Syracuse team. I think they get the best of Buddy, uh, well, Buddy Bullheim in it. How about uh, how about this? We haven't seen it in a while, and I know you know what I'm talking about. Indiana loves to do this. Bobby Knight used to do this. Uh, Triangle and one, the whole play man uh, zone, right. everybody else, and just beat up skinny Buddy Boheim. Nepotism him at his worst. I, uh, sorry, I'm walking here. I need a phone charger. My All my devices are running low these days. No, but thank you for your I time, like man. We we indulged it, and uh, sorry for being selfish with your time, but, man, you've had a lot of great know. information. 
I like uh, I like Syracuse actually. You know, it's a cliche, but that zone is so hard to prepare for. Right. You, you don't see that throughout the year, and so I think I think Houston's going to have their hands full. And I don't know what it is about Syracuse. You know, every year people say they shouldn't get in. They make this run. I think it's kind of neat with Jim Beheim and his son, right. you know, doing this. And, and he's a hot shooter. You know, it's those guys with the hot hands that tend to help their teams make runs. So I, I don't know if I make a prediction, but I, I like Syracuse, how hard it is to play against that zone. Right. Syracuse, Orange, and then what are the other games in Hinkle? UCLA, Alabama? Yeah, that's tomorrow night. I, I uh, you know, I love the run UCLA is making. I watched them last week, and is it Johnny Juzang? I'm not sure I'm pronouncing Johnny Juzang, it. Yeah. Compton Magic AAU coach, Cronin, Midwestern coaches. I always say the coaches from the Midwest are the best, right? John Wooden, long legacy of, of you know, strong-willed, uh, Midwestern coaches coming to the soft West Coast guys and teaching them some tough some Midwest toughness, toughening them up. So a, a Hinkle tie, John Wooden played in the high school state championship game in Hinkle the year it opened in 1928. Wow. Um, I like UCLA, but a- Alabama's really good. It's hard for me to go against them. Really good team. And what's the other game in Hinkle? Got three out of the four. Uh, we got Gonzaga and Creighton. Wow, that's your game right there. Two de- developmental programs, I call them. Even though now uh, Gonzaga has gotten to the point where they are getting one and done, where they are getting guys with the skill set to go into uh, the NBA right away, really. Uh, Collins kids, I thought he was phenomenal the last few years. And I got to see them up close and personal when they were here in Anaheim. And what happened is, and I'll give you homework for this, so when we talk again, when we uh, you're editing the transcript, uh, I've had a high percentage predicting teams with better depth and teams that their coaches don't kill them in practice. I felt that when I was in Anaheim and I watched uh, Gonzaga, the only reason they lost to Texas Tech was because one of my favorite coaches, Chris Beard at Texas Tech, he really managed the time of his players and his roster better than few did. And I felt yeah. that uh, yeah. <clears throat> now doing my reading, I know a little bit more, uh, few worked his assistants to death. There, uh, <laughs> hey, how's it going? Nice, nice to meet you, young lady. <laughs> hey, if you ever want to go to USF, I'll write you a letter so you can get in. <laughs> uh, I felt Mark Chief worked his coaches to death, and everybody there looked exhausted. And Texas Tech had yeah. more of a pep to them. Uh, so Gonzaga and Creighton, Big East, your Big East, uh, McDermott, another Harden. Midwest coach, the Suns in the NBA. What are your thoughts on Creighton? Yeah. Am I undervaluing uh, Creighton here, or are they going to just get Creighton, crushed? Creighton is one of those teams where it all depends on how they're shooting the three ball. You know, they rely very. I'm doing an interview. Right? The uh, you know Creighton really relies heavily on the three ball. They've got some really good shooters with Balak and Zegarowski. So, you know, they've, they've been pretty hot in the tournament so far. But then you looked at the Big East Championship game against Georgetown and they couldn't throw it in the ocean. Right. I, I think it'll be a high-scoring game. Uh, I think it comes down to, again, how, how Creighton can shoot the ball. And I'll tell you what, Gonzaga, though, 
if you've seen the Drew Timmy kid play, he he's like McHale in the post. Oh, he's just every, everybody arms. talks about Suggs. Suggs is really really good, and and Kisper's really really good. But Timmy is really an old school big man with just terrific post moves, and he's long, he's big. He was very impressive when when I saw him. So I, I think it'll be a good game. I, I I've said it five times now. I think it'll come down to Creighton's shooting. Yeah, and but Gonzaga's still my favorite all the way. No, man. In uh, the end, I'm going to cut it and I'm going to give it to some people who have been bombarding me. They wanted to know if there was an edge at Hinkle. <laughs> now you can confirm that there is an edge. And, and do you think the edge Creighton has will, will factor in again? Well, Gonzaga's already played at Hinkle before, or 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 is Creighton going to have that edge? Yeah. I- I think it's harder for Creighton to have an edge because they're playing such a darn good team. Right, right. But again, you know, again, I played a little bit of basketball. I was small but slow. Um, but uh, you know, I think there's something to be familiar with the gym. And I think maybe an edge in the fans that will be there because Gonzaga is such a haul from the Midwest, where Creighton's in Omaha. And I do think the farther you go along. It's very loose, but not only is Gonzaga going for the title, but they're going for the first undefeated season right. in 45 years. And I think, I think when you get in a tight game, subconsciously or not, there starts to be some. So, it's the old adage: if you can keep a game close. Remember the Duke UNLV game in '91 in oh, Indianapolis yeah. when UNLV was undefeated. Yeah. Duke just kept hanging around, hanging around, and then made the move in the last, you know, two minutes. It's that Gonzaga. Creighton's played there. I think their fans will come out. I'm the best there is.